to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. How are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm always fine, Steve. Every, every week you say, how are you doing? I'm fine. Really, really happy that we are in the situation we're in. I've got to say, with all this nonsense that's going on around us, we seem to be almost immune. I wouldn't say completely, because once we step out the door and we go into shops and, you know, get on the bus, yeah. on the train, it all changes. <laughs> Reality kicks in then. Yeah, but basically no. I mean, we're very fortunate. I think that in our position, and um, we've just got to accept it for the moment. But the nice thing about what we're doing, Steve, is we're 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 putting something into the mix for people's lives that uh, is is uplifting mm. and um, positive, and this gives me a great. And I'm sorry, it does with you. It gives me a great sense of. Um, fulfillment that we're doing our bit yeah yeah enriching people's lives in some way or or adding some kind of value um mm. in all of this sort of time that we're in yeah and able to mm. give people uh that little bit of escape a bit of positivity well there's not many positives uh, well yeah there's not many much positivity about is uh it, you know you've got the all the media that seems to be you know, having a, a rough time of it because people are, quite honestly, are not actually believing what they're hearing anymore. You've got all of that. So you've got a, a depression can quite easily set in. And that's the thing that I think is very dangerous once that happens. But So the more positive you can be and the more things that you can bring out uh, to people, then uh, you, you're redressing the balance a bit. Mm. Yeah, and that's nice. That's good. So this week, uh, you've been doing some uh, more coloured pencil pictures. And I mm-hmm. can't remember if we mentioned last week that you were going to do them with a 12 set of luminance. Yeah. Um, I think we touched on it. Mm. To kind of give people an introduction into using those. And you've done three pictures so far using them. You sent them over to me. And it is extraordinary. Every time I'm amazed just how many colours you can get with just 12 pencils. Mm. How, many, how many tones? Yeah, well, you can mix You can mix them a lot. And the, the, the last one, um, the, the boat that um, – I don't know whether you're going to put that one up, but the boat was another one that tested me. Because what I did there – you know when you've got pastel pencils particularly, uh, and water I come to that, you've got a – when you do this, say the sky, which is more than two thirds of the picture, is sky on this boat. You think, well, what do I do first? Do I do? Do I go round? Do I leave the masts out? And initially, I did actually say on the video that um, I was going to cut round the sail, and uh, but I couldn't do that. It was impossible. So I took a chance and did the sky completely. So. It, it went over the masts, it went over the sails and everything, the whole lot. Wow. And I could, fortunately, I'd um, made sure that I'd got quite a good uh, line drawing, you know, and I could see it just about. I could see it. So 
what I would suggest for people when they do this sort of thing, if they do what I did, then they make the line drawing using a using a hard pencil, 2H even, because that would give you a better impression without it um, emulsifying once you put the solvent on, because that's the danger. But it worked out really well in the end because I could easily put the sail in, easily put the mast in, and it worked brilliantly. And as you can see when you look at the picture, but can I ask you a question, right? How do you think, looking at those pictures, and people can um, look at the picture if, if they've got it on their podcast, how do you think I put the rigging in? Uh, with a pencil? Uh, and a, That's right. With, no, a pen, no, with a pencil. Just a pencil and a ruler? That's right. I had to use a pencil because if I tried to put the rigging in, you'd left a mark, a little, a, a rough sort of little. I could have done it, but it, it's it because of the paper, passenger paper. It it gives a little sort of edges to it. Mm. Can't explain it better than that. And there's no way at all that I could use solvent on it, so I couldn't emulsify it. Mm. So it was a dilemma. But I used a 2H, that's a 2H pencil, folks, right? A 2H pencil and put the stick in. Now, you wouldn't believe that, would you, if you look at the picture? No. So there you go. No. So there you are. There's a, there's a new technique, folks. And now, I wouldn't normally do that, and um, it's against my better judgment, I've got to say, that I would actually put um, – well, it's a pencil. It's a pencil, isn't it? I'm still a pencil, so – um, if it was watercolour, it would be a different matter. But even with watercolour, how on earth do you get a rigging? No. With difficulty. But there's another technique, that, and I think it worked really well, particularly if people look at the netting. There's a netting on it. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Well, <laughs> there's no way you could ever do that with a, with a paintbrush, or perhaps you can with a 2H pencil. That's quite so small as well, another, isn't another. it? That's quite small, yes, it was. that section. That's very small. Um, but uh, And, of course, um, rules are – that's rules in ruler, yeah. straight edge. Those are kind of frowned upon in artwork. You think, well, why do you want to put a rule? That's, that's, that's more of a graphic artist, surely. But I've never looked at that being uh, a problem with me. If you've got a horizon line, particularly, uh, then you want it to be straight, generally. You don't want to go up and down, because if you've got a horizon line, especially and you've got a distance, a hill or a distance landmass, and you're putting in, if you do the slightest hiccup with your paintbrush, that could represent two or three hundred yards in mm. terms of. Um, so, so you see, you've got to be pretty accurate with something like that. And I've always said that I use um, a rule for masts of ships and horizon lines. Generally speaking, I don't use it for anything else. Mm. So I, I got it all there, didn't I? Masts of ships and and. Um, wow. That's, so anyway, how else that's how would you be able that. to draw that freehand? That would be impossible, wouldn't it? All of that rigging yeah, freehand, you couldn't. That would be <laughs> that would 
that'd be crazy. And and that's right. And if you if you if you give it a little wobble, just a little wobble, it's complete. You've got to use it. You've got to use the rule uh, for something like that. After all, what we're looking at, anything in to do with art, we're looking for something that we want to be pleasing, something that's going to be maybe put on somebody's wall, um, and they're going to look at that with fondness. And you've got a little bend in the mast, or, or you've got a rigging that don't quite work out right, that's always going to be an eyesore. Mm. Whatever the... Whatever the um, the artistic world says. Yeah. So there you are. That's, that's my take on it anyway. Still talking about this picture, those people in the boat, how small are they? All very tiny. Very, you see, once again, it's impressionism. If people blow that up, and I'm sure they can on the computer, they'll see it's just a little blob here and a little blob there. There's no structure to it at all. It's just the impression that I've given by doing yeah. that, which is this is real real artwork, really, because you're not actually putting down what you see. You're putting down what you want other people to see, mm. and, and the, the inference on the um, the last picture, the third one with the chimney uh, smoke. Have you mm-hmm. have you used solvent on that, or is that just raw pencil? Yes. Yes, um, I'm glad you asked that because that that's a real tough one. First of all, you put that in first. The smoke goes in first, as it did with the train. We talked about the train last week with smoke, didn't we? And I put white pen, white pencil on that first, or the grey pencil on first, and then you build the um, dark and the stronger colours around it. So yes. But you would do that. You would put the um, white in first, and then you'd use a solvent on it. And then you try to bring the um, background color close as you can to the smoke, and then you have to kind of amalgamate it, amalgamate it a little bit, you know, so that it looks as though it's see-through mm. in places. Hard. It's a hard thing to do, but by golly, it's enough look effective, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And the water as well, it, it looks stunning, the reflections in the water. Yes, that's something I'm going to have to work hard on, I think. Um, although I, it worked okay there, generally speaking, uh, I think people would find it easier if they had a larger range of pencils. Right. Because you're, you're, a bit, you're limited. You can't put too much subtlety into it. Yeah. With the... I think we've done remarkably well with the 12 pencils so far. And I've got some, I've got some cracking ones. I've got at least, I've got two more on the chocks already that uh, are going to be produced. And I've yet to find a third one, which make it the six, which I'm going to be doing for them. But each one I've got to bear in mind that um, I am restricted mm. with the quite garish colors, to be honest, red, orange, yellow, you know, blue, no um, subtlety in it at all. You can't have if you've got to only so many colours. Yeah. Uh, but I think we've done remarkably well considering. But when people see the other pictures I've done um, in coloured pencil with a larger range of uh, pencils, they'll see it's a much more subtle approach. Mm. But 
people starting off don't want that. People starting off want to see something and be able to do something that is um, is relevant that they can actually understand. Yeah, it's no good trying to teach people, you know, how to do fantastic um, coloured pencil stroke solvent pictures uh, that haven't as yet learned the skills that are needed. Hmm. Mm. very true very true okay well all those pictures you can see on our blog uh or on the on the artwork of this podcast um be sure to check them out and as always with the color pencil pictures we're working on them they are coming soon so keep your eyes peeled on the on the site we'll be adding them soon probably in the next few weeks we'll get some on there um so let's move on to a couple of talking points a couple of things that have come in uh this week the shadow pictures are extremely popular and we're getting lots of wonderful feedback lots of you giving them a go and and doing wonderful work Uh, we had a question regarding the pencils that you use you use two uh creticolor and two faber castell now for those (laughs) that have got faber castell only i'm not sure if we've talked about this before they're asking what they can use instead of the Cretacolor pencils. Now, mm-hmm. 250 in Cretacolor is black, so I would have thought that would be quite straightforward in that they can use mm-hmm. 199. Black. 199. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the 229, that's a very unique colour. You spoke about it before on the podcast. It's a very special colour. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a way that people can um, find that colour in Faber-Castell? Yes, 175 is the obvious choice there it because that description of that is dark sepia it doesn't look it admittedly but it is called dark sepia that's the description of the color so the description of the 229 creta color is brown gray so you see it's kind of like very similar description Mm -hmm. so that would be ideal it wouldn't work as well i've got to tell people that it wouldn't work as well as the 229, but it will work if you haven't got – it's like a second best. Mm. But it would work as long as you're using the dark grey paper. Mm. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, okay, well, yeah, we've got a few more of those shadow pictures to come. Um, so we'll we'll be putting those up too. Uh, our priority is the coloured pencil ones at the moment, and – there's a few more shadow ones in there for people to to check out. So uh, there's lots lots of uh, for people to get their teeth stuck into. Um, let's move on to another query uh, that came in, which is um, one of our students was doing a picture of a chocolate lab and sent us a few pictures over. Uh, and had a query regarding their colours that they should be using, and it got us talking because. In pretty much all three pictures, the colour of the dog was slightly different. And this must be a huge problem for people wanting to do commissions or pictures for their friends and such, because you've got to get a true true representation of the colour of the animal as possible, Mm. right? Mm. Um, And with today's technology, with phones having such good cameras, I imagine there's biases in different settings, so there let's, are. let's talk mm. a little bit about that because 
you had some really interesting points about where a picture should be taken and and how to get as good a representation of the colour of the animal as possible. Mm. Well, in all instances, really, you should either, if you can't have a professional uh, photograph taken, which most people can't because they're going to use their iPhones or whatever, is to have it done outside in natural daylight, not in sunlight. You see, if you put sun, if you put the sun in the equation, you've got shadow. So you've got bleaching on one end and shadow on the other. So you've got a, a misinterpretation of colour there straight away. So best to have it on a normal, normal British day anyway, which is a bit dull. Um, that's ideal because the, the, the daylight would give you a truer colour. The shadow would be not so intense and you get a truer colour. Uh, if you take flash, that's the very worst thing you could do because flash does worse than the sunlight because you've got hard shadows and bleached out pictures and bleached out colour. So, again, that's very bad. I do feel very sorry for people who are given pictures of their, uh, oh, would you like to do my picture? Because the normal layman who doesn't understand about art, really their picture, even though it's a chocolate lab and it's got the, like a, a, a bloom on it, which is, or a hardness on it, which is foreign to the actual true colour of the animal, they wouldn't look at it like that. They think, oh, no, it's good. So could you please do this picture? Well, you've got to be quite strong on this, I think, when you're doing commission work and say, I really am sorry. I need either a selection of pictures that I can choose, and then you would choose the one that was taken outside, or refuse to do the job. Mm. When I first started, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't give you a true representation of your dog, cat, horse, whatever. Generally, horses are good because they're taken, pictures are taken outside. Not many horses go inside, so um, unless they're in the stable. So you, you put more chance with a horse than you have with a dog or a cat, mm -hmm. unless you take it outside. Uh, so it is a bit of a problem. But coming back to colour, if you can get an outside picture taken out of the sun, then you've probably got a good chance of finding the colours are reasonable. Um, I mean, we've had a lot of people um, that are doing animal portraits, a lot of success. Mm. Um, so who can say? One of the things I would say, though, whichever picture you do decide to do and represent you must stick to whatever the photograph tells you. It's no good looking at it and think, mm, well, yeah, but it, it's not quite that colour, so I'll change this and I'll change that. If you do that, you're in real trouble because the, uh, the photograph has a general bias one way or the other. Sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's orange. There's different tones that can be uh, applied to it. And that affects every single aspect of the, the colour, from the eyes to the nose to the mouth to the lips, not the lips on animals, but the, you know what I mean, the, the tongue, which is another area. Every part of that would be affected 
by the um, colour of the mm. uh, photographic reference. So you, you, you can't alter. And my policy has always been, um, when I did commission work, I stick rigidly to the colours that I can see. I don't try to make them up. Right. I mean, you have to, you always got to compromise, Steve. Whatever you do, you've got to, you, you can't ever get the exact colour. So you've always got to compromise a little bit. But you've got to compromise within the tonal value that you see in the picture. I hope that's not too technical for people, but that's uh, the best explanation I can give. Um, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I understand where you're coming from with that. I think that is a, an important point to whatever picture you choose to stick to it, um, because that that overall picture is going to have a harmony to it. Those colours are, you know, if you start playing with that, then other things are going to be thrown out. Mm. And to me, that mm. that makes sense. So I hope that's made sense to others. The other point is, if you're photographing indoors, you know, if you have daylight bulbs, LED bulbs, slightly warmer bulbs. <clears throat> excuse me it's gonna make an effect on the picture that like you said the truest light source is daylight um absolutely mm -hmm. it's probably mm -hmm. the best i guess if people are using an indoor picture then it's it's what you said it, you have to stick to what you see um mm. and uh and just and that's all you can go by mm. yes and, and very often people have got pictures that where the animal has passed away Therefore, you can't get any more photographs. So, that, therefore, you're stuck with pictures that they've taken. Mm. Uh, they may have taken, you know, 100 pictures, but I guarantee every one of those 100 pictures would be slightly different colour mm. uh, because they've been taken in all sorts of environments. Mm. It, it is a hard thing to do and very, very difficult for people on, uh, that have uh, do commission work. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I think that's uh, I think that's been helpful. I hope it has um, to people doing their own pictures. Um, yeah, we haven't really got anything more to talk about this week, so we'll leave it there. But uh, if you've got any queries, any questions, please keep them coming in. Um, we'll probably check in, Dad, with you next week to find out what other coloured pencil pictures mm -hmm. you've been doing or what other work you've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a couple more, as you said, of the coloured pencils, 12 pencil pictures to get your teeth into so we will probably hopefully be seeing those next week um but yes otherwise yes what are you gonna say i was gonna say well i was gonna say that i've just realized it's just dawned on me that the last three color pictures i've done color pencil pictures i've done in the 12 rounds all featured water do you, do, oh yeah do, do you realize that every one of them is featured water in different ways you know you've got either the still very still water on the first one and then you've got a little bit of a ripple glass-like look to the uh, pond mm. in the, the last one so if each one's different but the next one ain't got no water in at all <laughs> so i'm quite pleased about that <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent good stuff all right then thanks everyone for listening that's it for this week i'm stephen bradley and I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy, Enjoy your week. week.